Welcome to the Peace Production, a, po- a podcast from the Organization for World Peace, where we talk about the biggest threats to peace and human security and suggest ways in which we as a society can move beyond them. This week we talk about the Turkish incursion against the Kurds in northeast Syria. Today I'm joined by our social media correspondent Alex McIntyre. Alex, why don't you give us a brief summary of how this situation came about? Sure. Um, so this current situation uh, we're obviously looking at is the Turkish uh, invasion and in, into northeastern Syria, which uh, has which which has occurred this week. So what essentially precipitated that was uh, the withdrawal, the announcement uh, of the withdrawal of U.S. troops, which was on the thirteenth of October uh, by Trump. Uh, and which was effective essentially immediately, um, and that 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 spurred on uh, Erdogan, the uh, Turkish president, to uh, essentially invade northeastern Syria with the purported aim of uh, establishing what he called a safe zone, uh, which would be a thirty-two kilometer deep uh, zone uh, along the the Syrian, the northeastern Syrian border, which uh, obviously straddles the. The, the Turkish border as well. Um, so the aim that 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 Erdogan has, has sort of put forward for this for this invasion has been, as I said, to establish this safe zone uh, with the hope of uh, first of all resettling uh, a lot of the Syrian refugees that have come across the border throughout the Syrian war. Uh, and then secondly, and this is uh, not so much an explicit aim, not one that Erdogan himself has admitted, uh, but one that, that we can quite sort of logically deduce from, from uh, you know, history, uh, Turkey's history uh, in, uh, with the Kurds, uh, is to actually repel the, the, the Kurdish forces from the region. Um, and I suppose... Uh, extinguish the security threat that Erdogan believes that uh, the Kurds pose uh, in that region, uh, obviously being on Turkey's border and Turkey having a very uh, a very uh, strong Kurdish minority there. And the, the fear that, that Erdogan has uh, is, is quite obvious. It's that uh, the, the YPG, um, which is... Uh, the People's Protection Unit, which has has been uh, one of the main belligerents in uh, the Syrian war and fighting against ISIS, and has actually established uh, an, an autonomous region uh, called uh, Rojava in in northeastern Syria. Uh, Erdogan is worried that uh, the the YPG, which is which was a, is a, Tur- a Turkish uh, militia, uh, will sort of uh, extend their influence uh, from the Syrian border into Turkey and potentially uh, be a, a threat to Turkish sovereignty. Uh, so it's really a security issue from Turkey's perspective and also obviously a security issue that is, is colored by ethnic conflict. Um, the Turks uh, being you know, historically uh, feuding with, with the Kurds uh, as, as I suppose, uh, all the countries uh, with a Kurdish minority tend to, uh, such as Iran, uh, well, Iran, Iraq, um, 
Syria and obviously Turkey. Uh, so yeah, that those are the those are the sort of the, the aims of Erdogan in in carrying out this offensive, uh, which has said was precipitated by Trump pulling out uh, with the U.S. forces from the region. Um, yeah, so that's that that's a bit of a summary. Uh, Excellent. Um, I just want to dive in a bit more into why there really is this conflict between um, the Turkish government and, and the SDF and the YPG. Um, they both tied to the Kurdistan Workers' Party, the PKK, um, mm. which has been designated a terrorist organisation by the Turkish government. Um, this has its ties in um, essentially the Ottoman Empire, where the Kurds were an, an ethnic group that in the division of the Ottoman Empire into Turkey and the neighbouring states were essentially um, essentially displaced and have had their independence claims rejected for, for many a year. Um, so the protection of the region, you know, it's very important for the Kurdish population and the fact that they are, have, are now stateless and are now without their military backing from the US leaves them quite vulnerable. And, and to many Kurds, this has been seen as a bit of a betrayal. And I guess even domestically for Donald Trump, he's um, come under quite a lot of criticism, hasn't he? Mm, yeah, no, he absolutely has. He's, he's undergone, well, uh, a lot of criticism from obviously uh, his enemies on the left and uh, within the Republican Party itself. I believe there's bipartisan condemnation of the move, which as is sort of typical of, of Donald Trump seems to be sort of reflective of his own personal, his own personal sort of caprice and, uh, you know, uh, temperamental um, approach to policy more than it is of his, of his advisors and uh, of the Republican Party. Uh, he seems to be again, at odds, not just with the Democrats, but with the Republicans on this one too. Um, but as you were uh, talking there, Matt, about, the, about the, the, the Kurdish people, and I suppose their, the, the threat that's now posed to them, uh, that's, I suppose, uh, you know, the main, one of the main moral issues that's arising out of this. Uh, the Kurdish people have been uh, state, I think the the uh, late journalist Christopher Hitchens described them as, oh, and I think this is a, a, a fact actually that they're the largest uh, ethnic minority without without a state. I think there's 25 million Kurds uh, across the contiguous zones in uh, Syria, Turkey, mm -hmm. um, Iraq, and Iran, um, and uh, they've 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 be, they've struggled for independence, uh, as you say, since the fall of the, the the Ottoman Empire, and and never never really achieved it. Um, and um, yeah, I think this is another huge blow. They had they had actually established uh, what was essentially a, a self governing autonomous region in in Rojava in northeastern Syria, uh, with the help of the US uh, militarily and and financially uh, which which sort of bolstered their bolstered their resources allowed them to to overcome IS and then establish that self-governing region uh, but that now that you know that project has now essentially uh, been eviscerated uh, by this recent 
by these recent uh, actions of Turkey. Uh, and it looks as if it, it could result in, in a huge uh, internal uh, displacement of, of the Kurdish people once again, um, very unfortunately, uh, as, as, as uh, we've said, they are, they are uh, you know, people who have constantly struggled to, um, to you know, ex- express their, well, to, to, to self-govern. Uh, and this is another, this is a, just another impediment in that long road of struggles that they've had. Um, so yeah, uh, very, not particularly promising situation for the Kurdish people at this stage. Mm, and the creation of the safe zone, I mean, it's not like this is empty land. There's hundreds of thousands of people that live there. I mean, there's been reports that uh, as many as 200,000 people have been, has been forcibly displaced. And in, in that safe zone, in fact, you have mm. all these prisons that are holding captured ISIL members and as much as 1,200 of them have already escaped. So you, you end up creating a bigger and more likely an ongoing issue, which is to, going to be your resurgence of your guerrilla terrorist groups in the region, your ISILs and the like. Um, yeah. How do you see that playing out? And, and do you think that it will be dealt with by the Turks or by the Syrians? Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's another uh, major issue that, that's going to arise. Uh, you know, another one of the sort of disastrous consequences that, that will likely arise from this decision by Trump to pull out uh, the US, uh, US contingent in the region. Uh, and that, uh, obviously, uh, as, as we discussed, the, the STF uh, in northeastern Syria were the main uh, uh, group that was responsible for uh, holding a lot of Islamic State captives and uh with this uh turkish offensive uh the sdf uh are being forced to uh well either you know fight or leave and this will uh this well and already has left vulnerable uh a lot of these uh presents uh that the 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 is were being held captive in and that will create potentially a resurgence of is in the region which is not a good outcome for anyone, really. Uh, uh, you know, especially especially the U.S. Um, and uh, it, Trump very well uh, could have shot himself in the foot through this uh, through this move. Mm, and I mean, to all all watching this, it's clearly a breach of international law. What what Turkey has done here? I mean, they have essentially encroached thirty kilometers into Syrian territory and. This is more, this is likely to turn into to a land grab, um, mm. and to use a safe zone as a mechanism of getting around international law is really something that we should be concerned of because there have been a few examples of this to, in the past that led to disastrous humanitarian consequences. So you have the example of um, Srebrenica and the breakup of the late um, Yugoslavia um, was is a really prominent example of how how that, that can all go wrong. And actually, this isn't the first example of, of Turkey capturing land in northeast Syria. Last year, they actually captured the town of Efren, which mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know until I started researching this. So it just goes yeah. to show how much this has all kind of gone under the radar until now. You know, yeah. Turkey has acted with considerable latitude in the way they've gone about um, pursuing the Kurds and, and encroaching on Syria. Um, just in response to this 
incursion. So there have been um, economic sanctions imposed by the US late last week. Um, and Donald Trump also sent over Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and the Vice President Mike Pence over to Turkey to negotiate. Why don't you tell us how that went, um, Alex? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the results... Well, essentially, I'll, I'll, support it. I'll, I'll try to unfold uh, some of the events that occurred uh, immediately after this. Uh, well, immediately after uh, Trump withdrew the U.S. forces or announced that he was going to withdraw them. Uh, and the initial uh, response after uh, Erdogan uh, stated that he was going to launch the offensive and launch the offensive, uh, Donald Trump responded by... Uh, quite infamously now, by sending a letter to Erdogan uh, telling him essentially to not be a fool and rather petulant uh, sort of juvenile uh, international relations uh, uh, behaviour, um, not not particularly the most astute democrat uh, diplomatic move there. Uh, and it was sort of internationally condemned uh, and uh, again has, has just... Another source of embarrassment for Donald Trump uh, in, in displaying his rather sort of lackluster um, and quite childish approach to uh, very important issues. Um, and so, as I said, he Trump reacted uh, uh, very strongly against Turkey's threat and actually threatened to um, to destroy. Uh, the Turkish economy if they didn't resolve the the, the issues humanely, um, and as you said, then uh, you know uh, a convoy was sent to Syria, um, and uh, the result of that was that a ceasefire was agreed upon between the U.S. and Turkey to essentially uh, allow the Kurdish forces and the Kurdish people to evacuate the region, um, and essentially give Erdogan the safe zone that he's been aspiring to for the past several years, it seems. And that's another thing I think we've got to draw attention to is that this isn't really, as you said, Matt, this isn't really a recent, uh, this isn't really a recent idea. This has been something that's been in the works uh, for a while now. And it's quite clearly not just a consequence of Erdogan's, uh, of Erdogan's policy, but also uh, um, in, in, you know, his attempt to, allay or assuage his his the security threat on the Turkish border that he uh, perceives as being posed by the by the Kurdish people, but also uh, Donald Trump's general policy uh, towards the Middle East um, and towards the, the 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 civil war in Syria, uh, and I suppose that that policy has has essentially thus far been to defeat ISIS, and that's just about it. Uh, there hasn't been uh, a sort of a long-term uh, cohesive plan as to how they're actually going to cope with uh, the situation after ISIS has been defeated. And that's where we stand now uh, in, in chaos, it seems, and with a number of powers uh, such as Turkey, uh, such as the Kurds, uh, such as Syria, um, and obviously, you know, all their, all their, allies in the region uh, vying for, you know, vying for power and influence. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the situation 
as it stands now. But yeah, and it's it's also it's also as you said, it's uh, it's fairly uh, calling it a safe zone is definitely is definitely fairly ironic, um, given that that it's about just probably just about the least safe place to be. Uh, at this stage, especially for Kurdish people, um, there's already been reports of civilians being killed and obviously a huge uh, displacement of people. Um, so yeah, not, 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 not particularly safe and it's uh, placing um, the Kurdish people and, and now uh, Donald Trump in a, in a very precarious position. Yeah, um, and to be honest, this... This ceasefire arrangement, it's, it's actually a big win for Turkey because, to be honest, mm. it, it shows that the U.S. affirms their concerns as legitimate in the sense that, yeah. yes, this is a legitimate concern, Turkey, that the, you are facing a terrorist threat on your border. Um, so that, that's huge for Turkey. And to be honest, um, the ceasefire, the initial reports are that it is not being observed. Um, there were... Um, claims earlier in the week from people turning up at medical centers in, in northeast Syria that the Turkish forces were using napalm and, and white phosphorus. So if that was truly the case, that would be a war crime um, in which would need to be investigated. Um, and that, that's just at the main floor of the ceasefire arrangement is that there are, there are no plans for international monitoring and enforcement. So it yeah. really just relies on the good faith of, of the Turks who have already claimed that there have been 14 provocative attacks from Syria during the ceasefire and that, um, you know, they will manufacture these claims of provocative attacks if it serves their interests of, of pursuing the safe zone. Um, yeah, there's it, reports that have rise the line is that um, the medical personnel have been prevented from from entering the town up until very late on Sunday night. Um, and it is abundantly clear that there is a strong push for territorial expansion from, from Turkey. Um, what do you make of the, um, the kind of future of this, this situation? Where do you see it going? Uh, so, uh, as I said, it's 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 a very it's it's a very precarious situation. I think um, on all sides at the moment. Uh, obviously, the whole region um, is threatened, and and the US too is threatened by uh, the potential for this to lead to a resurgence and a reorganization of the Islamic State um, in the region, uh, and that obviously is a, is a grave security concern. Uh, which everyone will want to avoid. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think, again, we have, to, we have to sort of look at this, not just from the perspective of, you know, we, we can't just take uh, uh, what Erdogan says as, 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 you know, as gospel here. I think that, um, that even, even if, if uh, the sort, there's, a, there's been a sort of you know, lack of criticism of this in the media, I've, I've perceived at least, uh, in that even if uh, this, so, this ceasefire does actually, does act, is actually successful, and as you said, the reports are that it's not being particularly successful, uh, the result will still be a huge displacement of Kurdish people uh, from 
you know, they're essentially their own land in northeastern Syria, land that, that's been theirs um, uh, for a very long time. And uh, so, you know, even if this if this ceasefire does d- is successful and uh, there's there's no sort of mass genocide, there's still a huge humanitarian problem there. Um, and it's also just potentially going to cause a lot of chaos in the region. Uh, we can already see uh, uh, the effects of it um, in that, uh, it, uh, particularly the, the Syrian regime has has now uh, uh, sought essentially a sort of ad hoc alliance with the Kurds. Um, and uh, also we have Iran and Russia who are uh, obviously allies of the Syrian regime as well, looking to reassert their influence in the region. And this, again, is, is, is at the cost of, of, of the US um, and, their, and their sort of overall strategy in the Middle East. Uh, if you know, they, they're capitulating these important positions of influence to Iran and, uh, and Russia, uh, that, that uh, you know, will, will potentially have a very serious impact on their sort of strength of their geopolitical, uh, uh, their geopolitical strength, the region, um, and yeah, I, sp- I suppose there's another uh, thing we can look at is that this is this is very much playing into the hands of Vladimir Putin, uh, who, as I said, through this chaos, he's been able to uh, sort of reassert his influence, and uh, that's important for him at this point because a little like Erdogan, uh, it's very it's very uh, important for Putin because he's facing a sort of trough in his popularity at the moment in Russia uh, to be seen to be acting very sh- like a strong man uh, in the Middle East and um, I suppose uh, capitalizing on, on, on the US, the US's uh, possession of weakness there. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 not not looking particularly promising uh, uh, for the U.S. Uh, or uh, or the Kurds, uh, but it's playing into the hands definitely of uh, their enemies there um, in in the Syrian regime, uh, in in obviously uh, Turkey, who's not not an enemy, um, but uh, we obviously have a very complex relationship with, uh, and. Uh, again, Iran and Russia. Mm. Yeah, there's, uh, there's not just a threat to those Kurds residing in, in northeast Syria, I think. I think it actually mm. it threatens the Kurds more widely in the region. I mean, you really start seeing a dangerous precedent here in terms of the potential for ethnic cleansing if, if nothing is done yeah. about this. Um, I think in broader terms, though, as the US begins to withdraw itself from the international scene a bit more, um, particularly in the Middle East, you know, you have Trump talking about um, bringing the troops home and, and ceasing all these endless wars. But if you do so without laying the foundations of, of adequate um, conflict mediation and, and dispute resolution, I think it is likely that you will see more of these these kind of nascent regional powers yeah. exerting their military might um, in these sorts of regions. And I think that's it's really... Um, where the international community needs to step up here and, and sort of, I guess, I mean, it's very well and good to say get the peacekeepers in, but I mean, the diplomacy here needs to be a, a lot better um, and it needs to be done with the people 
of this of this region in mind. Um, there is, there's, there's, yeah, it's unlikely to further create a power vacuum here where Russia and Syria and others are likely to step in to this um, this gap here. Uh, yeah. So in terms of an overall resolution, it really requires the international community, not just the UN, but NATO and the EU to really come to the fore here and take a leadership. Um, you know, this has really, you know, the EU imposed in a restriction on arms sales to Turkey as soon as this um, took place. Yeah. And that has actually angered quite a few people because they see it as a double standard and not really going far enough because the yeah. EU had, did not impose um, armed sanctions on the Saudis or Yemen at all when they were starving their own people. And mm. to be honest to me, that represents a double standard. And if they are to truly um, demonstrate the, the type of global leadership that's necessary here to kind of ensure security in the region, they really need to respond a lot more forcefully and consistently and in accordance with some principles, not just yeah. the economic imperatives lie, but recognizing that there is a need to, to protect all these people that um, are likely to be affected by this because you not only have the Kurds, but you also have the 2.6 million refugees that Erdogan has, has quoted as being able to be resettled as a result of this. Now I don't, know about you but I don't see that as being really viable to happen in a yeah. peaceful means and in a you know a practical mean with means whereby these people can actually be resettled and live productive yeah. lives and to be and honest uh, it just seems to be setting them up to be returned into worse conditions than what they are now I don't know what do you think absolutely yeah I mean I, I totally agree uh I mean obviously we have to recognize as well that that um that you know, a lot of these people also will not be particularly um, positive towards the the uh, Syrian regime, which is the which is where they're essentially being returned to. Uh, I mean, it's essentially equivalent to sort of uh, you know Australia's policy of turn back the boats. It's just uh, you know push the problem back to where it came from and uh, and cleanse your hands of it. Uh, and in doing so, also Turkey have that that dual objective of of essentially affecting a demographic change across their border uh, by displacing the Kurds, who, as we said, have 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 established their own self governing region in in Rojava, in northeastern Syria, and replacing it with replacing them with uh, uh, Syrian uh, refugees who they obviously. Erdogan doesn't want to be responsible for um, and who pose less of a threat to him uh, because uh, you know they're they're obviously uh, not not the same level of threat to Turkish uh, sovereignty as uh, as the Kurds uh, might be mm. um, so yeah yeah that's uh, yeah very tricky yeah very tricky indeed and I mean um there needs to be an attempt, I think, to address some of the underlying historical tensions um, if there's to be any sort of lasting mm. um, change happening in in this region. Um, but um, the latest news coming out of Washington is that Trump is now in favour of a new plan to keep around 200 troops stationed in, in 
Eastern Syria near the Iraqi border. Um, um, to be honest, it's an interesting decision. It's not quite double backing on back to the previous position. Um, to be honest, they would be best placed within the safe zone in ensuring that the conditions of the ceasefire were being observed. But whether it's strategic posturing, there is the argument that you know this dispute is a convenient foil for the ongoing impeachment inquiries in the US, but we won't get too much into that. Safe to, needless to say that mm. um, those are still ongoing and, and the impact on Trump remains to be seen and, and the impact on US foreign policy remains to be seen. Um, any parting thoughts, Alex? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just say really that, that this, uh, again, I'd, 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 I'd draw some attention also perhaps to, uh, the fact that this is not, I mean, it's, 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 it's being, uh, sort of discussed in the media as if this were some sort of exceptional, uh, betrayal of the U S by, uh, sorry, of, of the Kurds by the US. And indeed it is uh, in terms of the extent of the betrayal uh, and its potential uh, consequences for the, for the Kur Kurdish people. Um, and, and, you know, their, their independence and, and possession in, in the Middle East. Uh, but this is not exceptional in the sense that the US and indeed, you know, essentially the whole world has, has, quite consistently turned its back on the Kurdish people, um, despite uh, using the Kurds uh, and their firepower and uh, the, you know, their, their, their people as, as fodder for their own proxy wars. Um, the US has, the, the, Kurd, the Kurds have been indispensable in the war against ISIS. Uh, you know, if not uh, essentially the, the main reason uh, that they were defeated uh, obviously with U.S. support. So for the U.S. to then turn their backs uh, on the very people who helped them to defeat such, you know, what was conveyed as such an existential threat, uh, it doesn't really send a good message to, uh, to the world that uh, essentially America is the type of country and the type of people to turn its back on those who, who support us. And, and, uh, you know, not just they're not they're not just you know any uh, people as well. They're 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 uh, the Kurds have our profound uh, democratic influence in the region, um, and and that should be in the U.S. and they should be, it should be in the U.S. interests to actually support uh, an autonomous um, Kurdistan, uh, which is something that they've you know they, they've they've failed to do uh, throughout history, and and we see it again. Um, uh, we see Trump failing in that uh, once again um, and it will potentially have disastrous consequences uh, for the Kurds and, and for the US and their possession in the region. Yeah, yeah, this is a dispute that's only likely to, to probably get worse before it gets better, but the hope remains that diplomacy and, and peace will prevail in this troubled part of the world. Alex, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Matt. And thank you to our correspondents who have been addressing this issue. Um, Sean Pitzel, Tom Wilkinson, Stephen Ahusar, Jasper Hansen, Deviani Gajar, and Ruby Shelley. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.